When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in for another episode of Talking Out Loud. Great to have you on the program. Quick rundown of what we're going to do tonight. Going to start the program with Chip Mikesell breaking down the first game of the season and letting you behind the curtain and give you a little bit more perspective on you know exactly what we saw. The fan reaction and what uh, guys like Ryan Mikesell see uh, is very different, and I thought it'd be great to have his perspective and, frankly, calm the fans down a little bit. So that's going to be the first half of the show. Second half of the show is my interview with the mayor of Dayton, Nan Whaley. Please enjoy yourself on that one. I know I enjoyed the conversation. And then I'll finish up uh, talking to Damon Sales, who covers SMU basketball for the rival site. Before I let you into the episode, I wanted to let you know that this episode is sponsored by a flyer-run business called Healthnetic CBD. They were founded and run now by a family of UD alums, the Murrays, and the Murrays wanted me to let you know that Healthnetics is a premium brand CBD available online at healthnetics.com. Their products are all natural, THC-free, and made in the U.S. They focus on quality and purity, and all products undergo rigorous lab testing before they get to you. There's nothing to lose with Healthnetics. 100% money-back guarantee. All you got to do to get them is go on their site, healthnetics.com. Use promo code FLYERS for 10% off your order and free shipping. Again, that is 10% off your order and free shipping by using the promo code FLYERS. All CBD companies are not the same. You can trust Healthnetics, and you can trust them because they're bringing you this episode of Talking Out Loud that starts right now. To Hall, somebody get a shot up at the buzzer, it's This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast in the Atlantic 10 and among Dayton Flyers basketball fans everywhere. The only podcast on the internet consistently reminding you to wear red and be loud. Welcome back to Talking Out Loud. This is your host, Sully, coming to you on December 2nd, recording and releasing to you on the 3rd. That is Wednesday into Thursday. And of course, the subject of the conversation tonight is Dayton's 1-0 start versus Eastern Illinois. It was a tough 1-0 start, but Dayton got the three-point win. We did a rapid reaction podcast right after the game, and it was designed to be exactly that. A rapid reaction, hot takes, 
Um, I was kind of fired up that the Flyers didn't put away the game, and so I wanted to come on the mic, and I was like, good, I get to be scathing, and I get to say whatever I want to say, because typically I wait until the next morning on the BBR to uh, to release my thoughts, and they're, they're honestly like a little bit more tame, and they're a little bit more honest. So today, to bring an honest voice into the conversation that could probably be a lot more level-headed than our rapid reaction, I have uh, my esteemed co-host, third time on the podcast, uh, Mike call him Chip, we call him Ryan, Mike Sell. Uh, can you believe it? I think it's your third, or is it your fourth time on the show now? How many times? Uh, I think it's number three. Number three third right time. Now. Yeah. Okay, so, so now you you now Hopefully have... not the last time. Hopefully not the last time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, okay, so now we have a good precedent set up here because if I'm going to release a fan hot take segment right after the game, then you're the perfect guy to have right afterwards, right? Yeah, exactly. I can uh, try to level level down some people if they have a absurd reaction. Hopefully we can bring them, bring them back down to earth. Yeah, just a little bit more closer to middle. That's all. Yeah, you know, that's exactly. All that's all we want. Not nothing too far. Yeah, like being extreme is no good for anybody on one side or the other because we're not we're not pessimistic people, but we're not going to tell you that we're going twenty nine and two this year either. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that. You shouldn't tell them that either. That's disingenuous of you. Don't do that. <laughs> um, let's uh, let's start here tonight, man. Um, you know, what was your takeaway, like, just right off the top of the game? I mean, like, sitting here now, we've, we've had almost 24 hours to to digest. I mean, what stood out to you the most? Um, you know, obviously, just watching the game, being uh, not in the arena for the first time in five years, it was just kind of a shock in terms of um, just you didn't, you didn't you don't really realize what it's like being a fan. Like, as a player, you don't really get nervous out there because you can control a lot of those things as a fan, you're, you're just stuck watching and you're just like screaming at the TV, screaming at the ref, you know, wondering why this player did this, wondering why that player did that. And you're just like constantly just like, I don't know, just going, just going through the motions in your head. And you're just like, what, like, I wish I could do something about it. Um, <laughs> yeah. Obviously it's so fan, easy I, over here, is it? It's not yeah, so easy. <laughs> exactly. So all these takes on Twitter that I saw last year during the, the season, now I, I get it. I understand your guys' you know, frustration or your guys' ex- excitement. It's awesome. Um, but I thought it was, I mean, in terms of being the first game of the season, you kind of expected some sort of sloppiness. Obviously they got out to a a hot start. They hit like, I don't know, the first four shots, five shots, chase hit some big first eight shots. That's what it was. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, no, it'd be, it'd be started off hot. Chase obviously started off really hot. Um, so it was good to see those guys, you know, see the ball go in early. Um, you know, it's a 40 minute game, so it's always full of ups and downs and stuff like that. So it's game of runs. You know, obviously, you wanted to see Dayton close it close it out at the end. Um, but for it being the first game, I thought it was uh, kind of expected uh, the way um, the Flyers played. Yeah, and backing up just a little bit, like they did make their first eight shots. I'm looking at the first ten minutes, and the score was 27-14 um, in that first frame. And I, I kind of told people that I said, well, if if you're going to say so much negative about the game, <clears throat> you have to back all the way up to the start of the game. And yeah, in sure. those first eight minutes, people were like, wow, like, okay, trains rolling again. Like we're good to go. And, and it really yeah. did feel like the offense was getting buckets at will. I mean, I'm sure you saw that too, right? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you could see, it's not like they were hitting tough shots. Like chase got some open ones. Ibby got some open ones. And then um, after you hit a few of those open ones, you know, Ibby will hit a tough shot here or there. Chase will hit, you know, contested, um, you know, shot, we'll hit some floaters in lane, stuff like that. So, um, you know, it was exciting to see, honestly, just um, the guys, they they were, they got out to a hot start, you know, it being the first game back since March. 
I didn't really know if they were going to come out sluggish or if they were, you know, what was going to happen, try to feel it out. So it was good to see them uh, come out firing on, on all cylinders for sure. Yeah. Let's go behind the curtain a little bit. I mean, first night, um, typically in a season, what you've had a scrimmage and then an exhibition, the scrimmage is a lot like what we saw yeah. last night, empty arena, friends and family, whatever. Um, and then the exhibition mm-hmm. you, I mean, historically you guys have used a lot of lineups in the exhibition because you know, yeah. it's, it's somebody that you can beat and you can bring in, but opening night, um, I know it's, it's hard because it's so different this year, but I mean, can you speak to the fans of like why opening night is different than say like you know, a non-con game around Christmas. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's completely different. I mean, I, I know just as a player, you have so much excitement before that first game. And especially playing at the arena, you have usually, you know, going there looking forward to 13,000. Like, it's, you can about guarantee it's going to be sold out on opening night. And to play in front of those fans for the first time that season, uh, you just have that adrenaline pumping. And you're, you're just kind of like that first, like, that first four minutes, you're just, out there not really thinking too much you're just out there just kind of going crazy getting the jitters out and whatnot so um the fact there weren't any fans there i'm sure that definitely played a factor in to the energy level um you know i saw a video i think jablonski uh tweeted out it was uh the video where the players run out and the, fl- the flags usually supposed to come out and stuff like that and as a player i always you know that kind of you know pumped me up before uh, going out there all the fans you know are out there cheering and stuff that kind of like woke you up even more and so yeah. not having those fans, I think, um, definitely played a huge part into it. But, um, you know, it's it's a huge deal. That first game, you're just kind of going out there, testing the waters, and you figure out uh, what lineups, you know, you should play, who who can play this time, who can play with each other. So it's it's, it's going to be, you know, the first five seasons going to be – or not five seasons, the first five you games. You five seasons. Oh, you I have five, you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my, my old head. Um, but, yeah, the first – the first five games would be a lot of, you know, Coach Grant's going to figure out who who he can play with who and and try to figure out which lineups he can put in at certain times. Boy, am I glad that you made that transition for me. We're going to have to talk about it. we got to talk about it, man. Uh, Christian Wilson went, was in the lineup last night for 13 minutes. Yeah. Um, we, we were we were delicate last night because we don't want to slam the kid. Like, you know, I don't know Christian yeah. personally. I'm sure he's a nice kid. Yeah. When your number's yeah. called, you want to, you know, you want to get on the floor and do the best you can. So yeah. my question to you is, it was Grant sending a message. Um, it, wh- what was that about? I mean, I just, I really am, I'm asking questions today about if yeah. I had a concern, I'm just kind of like, what, what was the rest of the bench doing? I, I don't know. I was confused. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously I can see from the outside, you know, looking in your, your fans are like a walk on, like, come on. And there's a, that stereotype with a walk on, like this guy can't play. He's a walk on, but like yeah. that stereotype's not really like, it's not necessarily true. Like I've played with some really good walk-ons that can, you know, can really get buckets and they they've had their moments and practices and stuff like that. And I think Joey gets buckets. That's what I'm saying. Joey gets buckets. Jack Westerfield, he can really, you know, he could really play Bonsu. (laughs) All those guys, they could play Bobby Worley. He was a walk-on, you know? So those guys, um, you know, I don't think they get as much credit as they deserve. Uh, But if you look at a guy like Christian, like he's been there, I think this would be his third year on the team, third or fourth year. Yeah. Um, he obviously knows the system defensively. He knows what coach Grant wants. And I think that's really what it came down to. Uh, when you throw a guy like that out there, you kind of know what you're getting. He's going to be solid defensively. He's going to compete his butt off. You see him diving on the floor, you know, getting loose balls, 50, 50 balls. And I think, you know, just right now with this freshman class, I just don't think he feels comfortable with, uh, those guys out there, you know, playing significant minutes. I think he would rather, 
trust a, a veteran guy who knows the system in and out. So, um, you know, Coach Grant, he's a smart guy. I, I know there's obviously something going on in practice that we don't see as fans. Like even myself, I, I can't be around the program yeah. uh, like I would like because of COVID. So, um, you know, I trust Coach Grant and, and uh, his process that he has you know, going on with the team. Yeah. And, and I think that's, that's the nice part now. Um, you know, once the dust settles from a 29 and two season, the trickle down of that from a fan perspective is that Anthony Grant gets the benefit of the doubt now, whereas like two years ago in his first year, I, I referenced this <laughs> on our last show when he brought in Joey Gruden at the Duquesne game, I was like, he's sending a message right now. Like he's mad yeah. at somebody, you know, for effort mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but your point was well taken. And that was what I mentioned to people last night was that, <clears throat> it's not the putting the walk on in the game. Like no one's going like, he doesn't come in the game and people are like, this kid sucks. Like no one reasonably (laughs) is saying that. Okay. What we're like, what I'm kind of alluding to is that it's all situational. Like no one had a problem with Bobby Worley getting minutes because you guys needed Bobby Worley to get those minutes. And of course he filled in, he filled in really well um, in that year, but it's more so of like what's happening behind the walk on. And I said, you know, yeah. when Christian Wilson went in, I was like, I'm not so concerned with this guy. I'm concerned with why aren't the other guys on the bench getting minutes? Um, yeah. And, um, you know, I thought I was going to see Lucas Frazier and, and he reminded me of a, of a young chip Mike cell. So I was really ready to see him <laughs> last night. You know, you guys had, had the same type of aura. I was like, looks like everybody's kid brother out there, but he's probably going to put up <laughs> some threes, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> but um, you know, it, just back to the point, I mean, people from, like you said, when you become a fan and you don't get to see practice every day, uh, it just changes your perspective because then you're sitting here like the day after and you're going, what the hell was that all about? But you know, you don't, you don't get to go to practice anymore, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, just to kind of harp on that a little bit, you know, you have to think all this entire freshman class, they didn't get a summer to work with the strength and conditioning coach. They didn't get the summer to work with, you know, any coaches, you know, learning the system, you know, it's completely different. You go from high school to college, like as a high school player, you're just, you can get away with just raw talent and athleticism. When you get to college, everybody's like that. So you have to learn under, you have to kind of understand how to play with some structure. And, and if you don't, if you didn't have any structure in high school, you know, learning to deal with that as a, as a, you know, freshman playing at division one level is, it's really difficult. So um, I think, you know, not having really much of a preseason, not having obviously the summer, um, for this freshman class really hurts them. Um, but I think also you got to think uh, coach Grant, he doesn't want to throw a kid out there and completely, you know, ruin his confidence. You know, if they go out yeah. there and they kind of lay an egg, you know, that could ruin the kid that could do more harm than good. I mean, I know you kind of want to throw kids out, out in the fire and kind of see what they're made of, but sometimes you have to make sure they're prepared to, to deal with uh, the adversity that they're probably going to face more than likely. Yeah, it, that's that's a really good point, man. And, and <clears throat> to be honest with you, that's why you're on the show because I wouldn't have thought of that myself. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I mean that that's really well taken. Is that we've seen that happen, you know, year after year? Is that guys get thrown in the fire too early? You know, they weren't not ready. You didn't see the system, or you weren't comfortable in the system, rather. Or yeah, you know, it's like you said, you're cold for a night, and then you're cold the next night because you're thinking about the the night before. Um, exactly. But you know, on the flip side, uh, that's why you schedule teams like Eastern Illinois, right? Like, yeah, yeah, You, you exactly. know, like I said this last night in the second half, and, and you know this as a player, but you bring those teams in because if if the shit isn't not – if it's not going right, you know, you have enough talent to kind of get by on talent alone, right? Yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you even look at our game last year against Indiana State, I don't know. I think one by six or eight points or something. I was going like to ask you close. about that next. Yeah. Yeah, it was close the whole game, and um, you know, at the beginning of the season, you're just you're just trying to figure out, you know, what works and what doesn't work. And as a player individually, you're trying to figure out, you know, where you're going to get your shots, uh, what you can do defensively to help out the team, you know, and figure out, you know, let's say it's not your night. You got to figure out different ways to impact winning. And so that's, you know, that's kind of basically what non-conference games are for. You're, you're trying to figure out, um, you know, just everything going on with the team and what works. So that, that way, once you get to conference, you're playing your best basketball and you can obviously build from there. Yeah, man, that, that was the next place I was going to go with the conversation was I, I did want to ask you about Indiana State. And obviously we kind of alluded to it to talk about like why opening night is different. Um, but in retrospect, as I looked down the schedule, I was like, I think Indiana State was the worst game you guys played all year. Do you feel that way? Looking back on last year? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I'd say, um, you know, obviously our losses were to some really good teams. The Colorado game, I think we got all rebounded by like 17 or something crazy like that. So yeah. like. But you guys Obviously, didn't play poorly we, in that game or anything. Yeah, yeah. They were just, just a good team, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, if you look back at it, that was really our closest game. Obviously, the St. Louis game, but that was a better team than that. But yeah, I, was, I would look all together that first game of the season just because I think we were just trying to figure it out. You know, that was completely – we had a lot of new guys in terms of the transfers mixing in uh, with some of the guys who've been there before. So, yeah. Um, you know, I kind of expect the same with this team. I think this team will will only get better. Um, Chase and Jordy, they really haven't played significant minutes yet. So the fact that they're going to have to play 25-plus minutes a night, probably Chase more like 30, 35 minutes. Like all those yeah. guys, they're only going to get better with experience. So uh, I'm excited to see, um, you know, those guys who didn't really play too much, too many, you know, minutes last year. The fact that they're just going to get thrown in the fire, I think they're going to be ready for it. Yeah, you know, I agree. And um, I I did say last night that I I was expecting Chase to get a double-double last night. And it's not for any other reason than he kind of has to, like, a lot of the time. You know, like, just Mm -hmm. it'd be – and the reason I said this is, like, typically when you have forwards that um, are not uh, gifted rebounders or they're not inherent rebounders, like, that's not their skill, you have guards that can kind of pick up that slack. And when I was in school, it was Chris Johnson, um, you know, like Chris Wright and Hulesman, they were kind of average rebounders, but Chris Johnson was like an elite guard rebounder. And yeah. so it kind of made up for their deficiencies, but Ibby's not that guy. I'm not knocking him. He's just, he's a pure yeah. scorer and he's going to give you good perimeter defense. Um, so I kind of said, you know, Chase kind of has to be the guy down low. So my question to you, since you have, a, you know, really good perspective on this whole thing, uh, what did Chase give you guys last year in that first, what, two months? And then, you know, what were you missing down the stretch by not having him in the roster? Honestly, he, he was, you know, he's a really good player. I think, um, you know, we just had such a, uh an elite team in terms of our four and fives like obviously we had trey myself and obi i mean yeah us three we i think probably played 90 95 of the four and the five spot you know yeah. for the team last year um we just understood the system you know better than than him him being a new guy um but if you look i mean he's a really good player he's six nine athletic he can shoot the ball he, he's always had that really nice looking stroke it's just a matter of having that confidence and him for him to go out and make three for three. I, I think, you know, he can really build off that. Cause once he's hitting those threes, that opens up a lot of things for those guards. Um, 
yep. you know, that'll relieve them from getting double teamed on pretty much all ball screens now that they can throw it out to Chase and he can hit that shot. Um, but he was just, you know, just a solid guy. When he would come in, even uh, the little spritz he came in at Mount, I think last year he had like 18 points one game. I so, think so, yeah. Yeah, in, in Maui, he had some solid minutes. Um, you know, he's just a really, you know, solid guy who's going to compete, and he just knows how to hoop. That's really the only way I know how to explain him. Yeah, man, I hear you. Um, I'm going down the list. I mean, it, it, it's funny how you know, we kind of talk about guys like this. He did against Houston Baptist. He was he had 18 points. He was 9 for 10 um, from 2. And that was that game where you guys almost broke 100, right? Yeah. But um, I think people were most surprised to learn that he could shoot the ball because, yeah. you know, going back to what you said, I'm not in practice and he hasn't attempted a three his whole career. So then he stepped out. I'm like, oh, shit, like this guy can shoot yeah. threes, too. And so first, I was I was honestly a little shocked that first shot that he shot the three. because He was wide open. And in yeah. practice, I would always scream at him, like, shoot the ball, especially in practice. Like, you got to <laughs> you got to learn. You got to learn to shoot them because you practice them enough. You know, you got to you got a game speed and. In a competition setting, you got to be able to knock it down. So, and yeah. uh, he shot the, the three he's made. He shot him with confidence. The one he even, you know, did a little ball fake and and shot it, and it was it was a pure shot. So, yeah, and just like you said, I mean, that's going to change the offense. And I think that was the thing that I found was most encouraging last night was that if if Chase can space the floor at the four position, just like you guys were able to do last year, kind of opens up a lot of different things, right? Yeah, um, for sure. But to, to kind of harp on that and, and like him in tandem with Jordy, uh, we were saying last night that uh, Jordy still has got to work on the finishing around the rim. It is what it is. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but, but the thing that always makes me laugh about him is, and we laughed about this last night, we're like, when Jordy comes in, you know what you're going to get. Like, he's going to bang down low. and Because he, he doesn't know any other <laughs> way. Like, he's just going to bang somebody, yeah. you know? And he he, is. Yep. He's going to be physical. And, and I, I love yeah. that. I love that he brings that to the table. And, and yeah. I'm sure... I mean, I guess you could talk to it. I mean, has AG kind of taken his really physical mentality and tried to mold it into something that not as like more productive, but is going to kind of yield more results down the road? Yeah, I, I think he's going to have to just because you can't really expect uh, those three guards to play a perfect game. You need other guys to help to help you out because, you know, for them to to have to think they can have most of scoring every night, it's just not it's just not realistic. You know, everybody has their off nights um, shooting the ball. So you have to have, you know, places elsewhere. So I think if you think about it, Jordy's going to be one of the biggest guys probably in every game. So yeah. if they can, you know, get him established down in the post and get him some confidence, get him some touches. You know, he has a really nice left-handed baby hook and he, he is a, a worker. I know in practices, um, you know, before and after he's always working on his post game, working on his passings out of double teams and stuff like that. So, um, I think his thing is just confidence. Again, he hasn't really played too many minutes um, last season just because we didn't really need him to. This year, obviously, he's, you know, kind of the guy down there. So if they can get him established down low and kind of use his size to his advantage, I think it would be huge for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think <clears throat> that was what I saw, too, it was just um, that there, there's a lot to work on. And that's why I try not to get too worked up about night number one, because yeah. it's just a long road ahead. Um, and, yeah. and somebody was like on Twitter, like, oh, the, the bench is the issue. And I'm like, well, there, there's no issues yet. But if you're, <laughs> you know, you lose the next two games then you know, maybe yeah. there's there's some issues. Um, yeah, for sure. I, I just don't quite see it yet. Um, 
so so let's go to this to, to wrap up today, man. And, and obviously, always appreciate the time. We're, we'll do this more to to uh, to level set with the, with the listeners out there. Um, but let's talk about one thing that can hold the team back, and, and maybe like one thing that's going to be their greatest strength, kind of coming down the stretch here, or just even going into the season since it's you know it's very young. Um, but let's start there. I mean, if if you see this team getting held back, I mean, I've said from the jump this is a tournament team. I, you know, I didn't see anything last night to make me think otherwise. But mm-hmm. if it ends up not being a tournament team, what what will be the thing that holds them back? I think, uh, you know, obviously you look at the depth, um, you know, guys getting injured or, you know, they had, I think they had two guys out last night, Dwayne, and obviously Dwayne's out the whole year, but Kobe, yep. the other freshman, uh, he was out. So um, just, ha- just trying to figure out some sort of bench, some sort of rotation, just to relieve, uh, you know, those three seniors, those guards, um, you know, that's just the biggest thing. You got to get some sort of, you know, bench play and, and just finding, uh, the guys coming off the bench is making sure they, you know, give some sort of impact in terms of winning. You know, I think one of the freshmen came, I think it was RJ. He came in and I think he gave up two threes and maybe an offensive rebound. He, he just was really struggling out there. So if you can somehow get some confidence in those guys so they can go out there and, and kind of not think too much, but just rather just play. Obviously, I think that's one thing that's um, going to be important for Dayton as they move forward. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'll, I'll go off that a little bit more just before we get to, to the last question there. Um, Cause I, I do think that you know, the ceiling for this team is still pretty high. And I still think it's like, you know, to win the conference. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but last night there, they come out hot again in the second half. They, they go 10, 10 0 run start the second you're up 15 points against Eastern Illinois. Mm. You've been in that position before. Last year, you guys figured out how to to kind of put your foot on the neck and just finish finish teams yeah. off. But mm-hmm. I mean, the two years before that, um, and I think specifically that that year you sat out, that was like the yeah. biggest the biggest detriment of the team was it they had teams against the ropes and then they couldn't finish them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, can you speak to that? Like, is that a mentality? Is that just execution? Is that keeping your head about you? What's the most important aspect when you come down a stretch like that? Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing, you know, when it comes to that, your older guys kind of have to take the lead on that just because they've been through it. You know, Jalen, um, you know, he was, he's been there, you know, 14, 17 his freshman year. And then obviously our team only got better and better. So he's been through, you know, losing seasons. He'd been through games where we should have won. They, we lost it at the end. So yep. I think those guys are, are definitely um, important factors in terms of just putting the, keeping the foot on the, on the gas and, and keep going. I think last year we were so good at it because we had so many veterans and guys who kind of understood that, okay, like we can put these guys away. Like it's, it's time to do that. So, um, you know, that's kind of what we, you know, we were fortunate enough because we had older guys who, who kind of had that experience. And then obviously this year, um, you know, those three guards are going to have to man that front and, and just, um, you know, with each game, just, try to figure out when that moment is and then try to attack it. You know, that's, I think that's really the only way. Yeah. On that same point. Um, I think there's 25 games this year. So let's say this team goes 23 and two. All right. Let's throw them a bone. So let's say they lose yeah. two games, right? Um, let's say, you know, they do end up winning the conference. They, they get the seed in the tournament that we think they're going to maybe between like six and 10. Um, what kind of team will this be? Like what will propel them to be a 23 and two team or whatever the heck they end up being yeah. you know, with the, I'm going to say what, what will end up being the characteristics of them being the best version of themselves? 
Oh, uh, that's uh i know i only ask the good questions that's why i have the show yeah, yeah. i was gonna say that's a really good question <laughs> i mean I, I know i keep harping on the the three guards but just being around those three guys rodney jalen and ibby it's the um, core of the team you know, i mean you say it the way it is right They're yeah the like i think having those guys is such a just a strength just because each one of those player can go out and get 20 or 30 a night like i've seen yeah. it before i've seen them in practice and stuff like that so having those three options on the team um, is huge. I mean, obviously Jalen didn't score, you know, I think he only had 13 points. People are probably expecting him to drop 20 or whatever, but he affects the game in so many other ways. He, I think he had 13 points, six, six assists, five rebounds. Um, yep. You know, Rodney does thing defensively, you know, what he's going to, what he's going to give you on both ends of the court. And if he, like you said before, he's such a, a pure scorer and shooter um, just having those three guys, I don't know if there's, you know, another trio like them in college basketball. So I agree. Um, you know, obviously the question is down low, are we going to be able to to have enough there to to compete night in night out and obviously the bench but you know having those three guards it's such a guards oriented game now if you think about it what you games is you have to guard play so um you know having those three guys is, is going to be huge for this team and for yeah. the young guys to lean on them honestly i think that's the only way for the young guys to kind of learn is to kind of just watch them and just kind of um you know have those guys lead by example and just kind of imp- or try to replicate what they, what they give in practice and, and in games. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's not controversial to say like, you know, it, and we try to figure this out all the time, right? Like if the team's going to go far, how are they going to get there? And this year it's pretty simple, you know, probably what every night it's got to be two of the three of those guys you just mentioned that, that have to get in double figures. Um, you know, they got to dish out a few assists and they have to contribute in other ways. And I mean, there's just, there's no other way around it just because the, the depth is in question, but um, Hey, I mean, that that's as fair analysis as we could ever ask for, man. Be uh, before I let you go, I know all the fans are going to ask anyway, so keep them off your, your heels on Twitter. Um, what's the latest on, on the basketball situation moving forward for you? <clears throat> Yeah. So, um, you know, obviously with COVID and stuff, a lot of the situations overseas, um, you know, haven't been as prominent as I would like. Um, you know, I was supposed to go to Germany in August. Some stuff came through with, um, you know, the management and stuff like that, the organization. And then I was supposed to go to Croatia about a month and a half ago. And then their league just got suspended um, till the end of January or the end of December. So I'm just working wait 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 how close wait wait hold hold on how close were you to going over to croatia before they were like no you can't come we're like were you do you have a plane ticket like were you at the airport like how how close was it no yeah i was (laughs) i was i wouldn't say i was like that close but i was getting ready to sign the contract and then my agent hit me up and said their league just got suspended so we probably (laughs) don't want to sign it i'm like okay (laughs) (laughs) back to the drawing board yeah so it's just you know so, so yeah so i'm just trying to just be around hoops. You know, I love talking hoops, love going on podcasts and, uh, you know, talking college basketball. Um, you know, I'm excited. Basketball's finally on TV. You can, you know, basically catch a game every night now, which is awesome. NBA is coming back and, you know, so, um, you know, basketball season is here and I'm, I'm ready, ready to be watching it, but I'm also ready to, to, to play some myself. So hopefully sometime <laughs> sooner rather than later. Yeah, well, uh, enjoy the time over here because once you go overseas, you're going to be watching games at like 2 o'clock in the morning, man. So, yeah, you'll, 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 know, you'll get to see the Saturday games when we play SMU at 2 o'clock, you know. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but those Dayton games, I'm, I'm definitely going to set an alarm in the middle of the night because I, I got to stay. I, I gotta, I'm got a. i a crazy fan now. After that first game, I was up screaming at the TV and 
doing all that <laughs> stuff. So I'm going to be locked in for all the games. So a couple more years, you're going to be exactly like me. And then what do you have? And, and you're, you're down to oh, nothing. Yeah. I can't. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm still waiting now. And I'm not going to fight with somebody. <laughs> yeah. something, something you do on 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 the regular yeah i was gonna say that's when you're really a fan is when you get in your first twitter fight because like if you've never had someone like call you a horrible name or tell you to die on twitter like you haven't lived yet it's it's exhilarating yeah i'm telling you yeah <laughs> I, I look forward to it i was yeah i was gonna say i'm 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 excited for it i'm, <laughs> I'm ready to use these twitter these twitter fingers <laughs> oh god uh, well we always appreciate the time of the podcast man uh we'll, we'll do it again soon and uh hopefully if you have some time before you go overseas we can get you on the pre game show in tim's because i know that that'll give you a, an excuse to go back into tim's not that you need an excuse to go back to tim's but i <laughs> I'm, I'm told that the beers are that free place, during the man. show so i don't know like i get a free meal apparently it's hard to turn down right yeah i was gonna say tim's they just renovated their kitchen area too so they got some good food that's what i'm saying so i'm looking forward to it this saturday man so uh hopefully we can coordinate uh but in the meantime you know love love talking hoops and uh, love having a conversation with you man thanks yeah look forward to talking to you soon appreciate it all right bro talking out loud this is our second segment for the evening and one i've been looking forward to for quite some time and this uh, started a couple of weeks ago on twitter i saw a message like i always do about dayton basketball and me being the opportunist that i am i jumped on it to see if we could get the mayor of dayton to talk about the flyers for just a couple of minutes on today's show and with the season starting this week on tuesday what better time and she was kind enough to agree to my invitation to come on the podcast. So without further ado, I'm joined by Mayor Nan Whaley tonight. Mayor, how are you this morning? Um, we got him before he jumped on. Uh, I wanted to ask you, are you Duncan or are you Starbucks person? Because we're recording early in the morning today. Yeah, absolutely, Sully. It's a pleasure to be on. And most of my friends know that if we're doing a chain, um, a chain uh, a coffee place, it's Duncan for me all the time. Although, you know, I do love all our local places. You know, we have like Reza's and Boston Stoker and Ghost Light. So, you know, in the pre-COVID days, you could always see me at a coffee shop that's local. But if I'm on the road, it's always Duncan. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the thing is that I like the local coffee shops as well. But sometimes when you're on the road, you don't really have time to scout the scene. Like, I don't know where the best pour overs are, um, you know, in Chillicothe. Uh, maybe they have some, but I just don't know if they're there. That's all. That's exactly right. So, yeah, I'm a Duncan person. And uh, we were at actually traveling this past year and uh, driving. And we, of course, stopped at a Duncan. And they even have like chew toys for the, your animals. So, I even bought my dog, Louie, a Duncan cup so he could he could have fun with Duncan that's how much I love it <laughs> yeah I, I did see on your Twitter that uh that, that you're a dog lady and yep. um and I'm a dog person myself so my dog is becoming a rising star in my Twitter profile um just because she's with me every day so she she has to be honest. they they're they're amazing in this time of COVID right <laughs> yeah, well, it gives me something to do every now and again. Um, so, so yeah, I can def I can definitely agree with you there. Um, 
you know, I, I really wanted to um, to kind of pull back the curtain and, you know, so so little do I get the opportunity. I think you're actually the first elected official uh, to be on the Talking Out Loud podcast. So that's, you know, something you can tip in your cap. Um, I'm, super, you know. I'm super honored. And, you know, uh, uh, you know, because how much my family loves basketball, like this is a big honor for me. So thank you for reaching out. Okay, so that let, let's go right into the first question. Did you have a chance to watch the game Tuesday night? Um, I haven't had a chance to watch the game Tuesday. My brother, I want to, I want to just uh, say, my brother. You know, we're both UD grads, and um, my brother decided to go to the University of Dayton because uh, they offered season tickets to the students. You know, we're from Indiana, so the choice was IU or UD. And because yeah. when you're at IU, you only get three tickets as a student. My brother could not handle that, and that is literally why he chose to go to the University of Dayton. <laughs> well, let's put it this way. I wasn't going to hold it against you because those tune-ups against Eastern Illinois, we need to have them. You know, no disrespect to those teams, but they need paid. Their athletic departments need checks. And, we, you know, we got to stack some wins. We got to get tune-ups for games like Saturday. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So I, I, I didn't want to hold that against you, but I just I wanted to level set to see, you know, kind of where you were on the season. And that's always my challenge, Mayor, is that I, I need to, to kind of drum up interest when we're like in game number two, day number four of the season. Um, and you know, things have been pushed back so much, here we are, right. but, um, so, so let's back up. Um, I know you're from Indiana and you said your brother chose to go to UD because of the reason aforementioned. Um, you know, how did you make the decision to go to UD yourself? Well, I'm two years older than my brother. I was choosing between really IU and UD as well. And, you know, when I came to visit UD, I really liked how the campus was laid out. It was, you know, compact, but bigger, not like not as big as IU, but, you know, not a very, very small school either. So it just seemed like the right medium size. Um, the folks on campus were really, you know, really, really friendly and, um, you know, really decided, you know, as an 18 year old, you're like, yeah, this sounds great. And I, it was a good decision for me, obviously, because it moved me right here to Dayton. Um, I really fell in love with the city of Dayton after going to UD. Uh, and it has a lot to do with the way that it's, you know, mid-sized, working class, this, you know, this, you know, and UD is kind of like this too. You know, if you work hard, you move ahead. Uh, if you play by the rules, you move ahead. And I really like that kind of working class mentality that the community has. Yeah. And I always like to hear this from other people because I was so far on the other side of the spectrum. Um, you know, my dad went to school and graduated in 1977. So I've been going to campus my whole life. So I always love to hear what people's impression is of campus for the first time, because like my impression wasn't formed as a 17 year old, like it was already well embedded by the time I got to campus and I kind of knew everything at school. Um, so I, I I do always like that perspective. Do you remember like the first B ball game you went to? Because we were pretty bad in those days. Yeah, I, you remember? I mean, I went. I got season tickets my freshman year, you know, and it was before like the Red Scare really was, you know, around. We had a student section, but nothing like it is now. Um, and you know, it was also before like the point system that they have now. You know, where you go to different yeah. sports. So it was still a big basketball. Even though we weren't awesome, um, it was still like a big uh, a big deal. Um, Ryan Perryman, who was a good player, was in my class. Um, 
Uh, and you know, we, we go to every, every game. And again, my brother and my cousin followed me and we had never even been to like the city of Dayton because we're from Indiana. We never really crossed the state line. So he's two years behind me and my cousin Steven's three years behind me and they figured out the ticket system by the time they were seniors. So they, for both like both junior and senior year, they had like front row seats for two years. Uh, and they were, you know, ridiculous. And so, um, you know, basketball, it's, it's just a really big, you know, if you're from Indiana, that's basically your, your entertainment for the, the, um, the winner. I can remember, you know, I can remember as a little girl, we had like a 900 square foot house and, you know, those houses have like a furnace in the middle of it. And my brother and I would sit in front of the furnace cause it was cold and you could see the TV and on the TV was IU basketball. So, you know, this, this like obsession with basketball, it comes very natural. Uh, and it's not so much like, you know, like you all and my brother, they, you know, follow every single game. It's just, you naturally know that it's basketball season in my house. And so, so that's like became very, it was just very, very comforting to me, quite, quite frankly, good basketball, bad basketball, you know, we're watching it in Dayton and then, you know, Dayton, the town is so about basketball. You know, I can remember when LeBron James was in high school and he came down to play at UD arena and it was during a snowstorm. And I, I, I think we had like, you know, 10, 15,000 people there, you know, I mean, you know, we do yeah. even on high school basketball, like when Trotwood plays Dunbar huge crowds, you know, and that's very, that's very common in Indiana too, right? That's like we build, you know, over in Indiana, they build really big um, high school arenas, you know, because that's what, that's what's important. So I think that the the, like love of basketball in this town is something that's really, really special about it too, that I really, really, um, I feel like it's part of like my childhood and, and my adulthood that's really special. You get decent seats now, hopefully, right? Well, I you know, people do invite me, which I appreciate. I don't have season tickets, but my brother does, of course. You know, he lives in Cincinnati now, and so I get his seats some, and he has pretty decent seats. And you know, it's the place to see everybody in Dayton for sure. Uh, okay. You know, and I, you know, I, I just, I'm so tickled about how well they're doing. I know we've been working at it for years, and Coach Grant has just been and a phenomenal leader, frankly. And um, I think we're really, really lucky that he came back to, to coach, to coach the Flyers. Yeah. And I've said that the most important thing about AG coming back is that it kind of, it brings the brand full circle um, because he doesn't, he, he's not the basketball coach per se. He's, he's one of us. I always say how important that is to have one of us. Right. Yeah. And, and, and that's what I really have said that is most important is that, we have all these pieces, right? Like we have the city behind us. Uh, they have the the financial backing, the alumni support, you know, just the community in general. And then to bring back an alumni and then, and then for him to see such immediate success, I feel like that was just like another step up for, for our program and our school and our city and our community to say, Hey, you know, it's all in the family now, you know, this is who we are. This is Dayton basketball. And we're, it's led by one of us. Right. Um, but going off of that, and um, I said this recently on a podcast that I was on, and it kind of alludes to your point of how important uh, the city is. And I want to back up to last year. I was asked recently on a show to to try to pinpoint why basketball is so important to the town. And what I said, and this is really why I wanted to get you on today to get your perspective on this thought, was I said that last season – 
reminded me a lot of the 1980 U.S. hockey team. Let me explain to you what I mean. The The win for the, the, the 1980 hockey team wasn't so much just the win on ice. The events that led up to that kind of created a snowball and in, in this like, you know, kind of a vacuum that this event was bigger because there were just you know things surrounding the, the country at the time, the gas crisis, Iran hostage crisis, you know, people didn't have a lot of reasons to feel good about the country. And, and I did equate that in a lot of ways to where the city of Dayton was last year. Um, you know, there, there was just hope was fleeting a little bit. And I know that you saw that being in the mayoral office, that there was just a lot of things that led up to the season where, there was a tornado and there was a shooting and, and, you know, there was just um, a sense in Dayton that we, we needed something to latch onto again, to make us feel great about the community. And sure enough, here comes the team 29 and two blowing the doors off everybody. Uh, did you, did you kind of have that same perspective? Do you feel that same way about what the team did last year? Do you feel like they were kind of a galvanizing force to bring the city and the community back together? You know, absolutely. I, I you know, the, the, you're right. 2019 was so difficult for Dayton and uh, you know, to have this amazing team that was like just playing great basketball uh, and had something that the community could celebrate, you know, the community, those, those tough, those tough events of 2019 brought the community together. And that's, I think, kind of amazing about Dayton too. A lot of times those kind of events push communities apart, but Dayton seemed to, you know, weave together more after both of those events. And, and, you know, the, the uh, shooting and death of detective Del Rio here, it was a really tough year. And, then to celebrate and to come together and celebrate something that was so pure joy and so pure Dayton again, you know, Dayton basketball uh, was just amazing. And, and, and the guys playing, you know, they played in a way I think that we hadn't seen in a long time that they really, really liked each other and they really liked playing with each other. And you could see that on the court and you could see it off the court. And I think that was something really, really special. That's why I think I'm, you know, just so enamored with coach Grant. The first thing, Coach Grant did when he came to um, back to Dayton, and I remember this. I was at um, uh, you know every Thanksgiving except for COVID Thanksgiving, we do a feast of giving at the convention center. So I spent some time, you know, serving meals there for folks that maybe don't have family in town or don't want to be alone. Um, and the whole UD basketball team was there his first year when he came, and I was like, oh well, this is interesting. You know, not that's not that wasn't a typical action to get off campus to go into the city on something non basketball related and have them there for Thanksgiving, but there they were. Uh, and I just remember thinking like, oh, you know, this this guy is really different and it's proven to be true. And the way that he builds community in his teams, I think is really special. So, uh, so yeah, it was a, a really special time. And then to see it, uh, you know, my husband was at the last game that they played and they like took down the nets. And so at least they got that. But then for it to all, like, I remember the beginning of COVID and having to have these tough conversations with Neil Sullivan about the first four and about the A-10 tournament and being stopped. I mean, it was just heartbreaking for all of us. Uh, and it felt like another, another like, loss for the community again. So that's what made it COVID. Like, COVID especially hard for Dayton was the end of the NCAA tournament, I, I really believe. Yeah. yeah. Uh, walk me through that day. Um, I, I like to say that March 13th will live in infamy. Um, what were you doing? Uh, you know, what was the, on the agenda that day when you heard, hey, the season's canceled? Well, you know, that morning, um, 
I was at city commission meeting and it was, it was like the the Wednesday is when I remember the most. And uh, we were at city commission meeting and we had the public health director there saying like, you know, Hey, we're going to be take this seriously, but it's not that big of a deal. At the same time, while this, this conversation locally is going on, my staff is on the phone with, um, with the governor and the director of public health, Amy Acton, and they start the call with however bad you think this is, it's worse. And I remember um, that afternoon I talked to the president of UD, Eric Spina, and they had decided to like, you know, he said the, he said the director of health had made a compelling reason about school. And so they were going to, you know, send folks, send folks home. And then um, we were still deciding what to do with, you know, cause it wasn't like we could cancel the first, like we didn't want to cancel NCAA stuff. That's NCAA's job to do and work to do. Sure. So we were trying to really manage through that. And everybody was, you know, it was, it was so quick moving Sully that, you know, you, every hour it was like, well, you heard this or you heard that. And yeah. luckily, I mean, I think, I think the NCAA and UD did the right thing. It was so painful though. And so painful for the community. Um, and, you know, just heartbreaking because we had this amazing team and, you know, it was over just like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I tell my story, like I was ready to go to Brooklyn, cover the team, yep. uh, the A-10 tournament. And then sure enough, like I'm sitting in my office and I got nothing to do. Um, from your perspective, things have moved really quickly, I guess, in the last month or two regarding college basketball. But like you said, I found that they've just changed every single day. And even on Monday, um, we got two different rumors that UD was playing two different teams on Tuesday. And then by the end of the day, they had a game scheduled by the end of the day, Tuesday, the game was already played. So it's, it's moving that quickly, right? Exactly. What has gone into the conversations about letting people back in the arena, um, because you know, the games are happening and now we're going to have what a couple hundred people, what has gone into those conversations to try to understand what's the right path forward? Well, I think, and, uh, president Spina and Neil have done a great job of really just following the data around, um, around health and, and, and public health guidelines, you know, right now, uh, and, and, you know, this changes as the data changes and as the spread changes, right? So, sure. Right now, here we are. We're, we're we have a stay-at-home advisory. So basically, we've you know encouraged and said to people, it's not an order at this point, but we have said uh, from public health that if you don't if you don't need to go out, don't go out. So that means you know um, unless you're going to school or work, or if you have to go to the pharmacy or grocery store, you pretty much or you need to pick up some food, you pretty much need to stay at home. And and that is just because these these advisories are based on where our healthcare assets are and our healthcare, not only in Dayton, but you know, it's certainly happening here, but across the country is very strained and it's strained because of um, our workers are, you know, the doctors and nurses are like exhausted, right? They've been doing this for nine months and now we're at this really high level where we have the highest number of hospitalizations in the state yet. And, you know, we need to control that. And the only way we can really control it is by staying away from each other. And that's really hard to do. So, you know, as far as it goes to like sports that, you know, we have, um, 
people watching sports. I don't think that will happen for a bit until we get a handle on, you know, on the vaccine, uh, which is coming, right. It's coming to Ohio December 14th. Uh, so it is, it is on the cusp, but I believe people will get the vaccine, um, because we want our lives back. I mean, we want to be able to get to the arena. We want to be able to see our friends. We want to be able to hug our parents. Uh, and uh, the vaccine will allow us to do that. So I'm very hopeful about I can see the end of this, but we're going to have some tough times to get to the end. It's like the very end of a, of a, of a race. And so you've got to finish strong, and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wrapping up with uh, Mayor Nan Whaley here on Talking Out Loud. Um, and Mayor, your point's well taken. I think the hardest thing for people to understand is, you know, some t- what was true in February wasn't true in late March, and what was true in late right. April is not true today. Um, you know, it's, it's constantly a fluid situation. And, and um, unfortunately, you know, when we talk basketball right now, this has to be brought up. Sure. Um, you know, whether people agree with it or not, I've always said there's certain things that I don't necessarily agree with, but it's really not my job. Job to opine on them, and my opinion's one man's opinion, and I don't make public policy. So I'm just like, tell me what the rules are, let's follow them, and let's move on to the next day, you know. And that's kind of been been my um, my way of going through 2020, and everybody kind of has handled it their their own way. Um, but I mean, have you already seen kind of the not the negative aspect, but the trickle down of not having game days, I guess just economically on the region, right? Sure. It's, it's an economic hit, but it's also, I think even bigger. And I tell folks this is, it's, it's a, it's a, Dayton's strength is people coming together and our inability to come together is really, really hard on us. And that's where we, I think that's what makes our community so special. And so the emotional strain on, and the mental strain on our community has been really tough via COVID. You know, my bro- my husband plays a pickup game every Sunday over at UD Rec Center, right? He hasn't yeah. been able to play that since March, right? Um, because you can't, you, you know, unless you're like a college basketball guy, you shouldn't be playing basketball, right? That's like a sure way to get COVID. So you know, people have had to change, you know, their behaviors. I, I'm telling you, like, he will be first in line so we can get back to playing basketball. Uh, you know, these are the kind of tough, tough issues we're having. And we're seeing in the high schools, we're seeing where the COVID spread is through sports. And so that's like really tough because these indoor sports in the winter, they were a bit different when it's outdoor because COVID doesn't spread the same way. And we just keep on learning. And so as you learn, you have to change the, you have to report that and change behavior. And that is so hard on folks. Yeah, it has been um, just in general. And I've seen it, you know, with my small seat here in the podcasting world covering the team. Um, but with that said, we do have a game on Saturday. Uh, they've decided, you know, to, to keep on pushing forward. How has the school kind of been in touch with your office, with the city officials about how they go forward with a schedule here? Has it kind of been week to week? Um, you know, just give the listeners kind of some insight behind the curtain as to like, what has gone into actually getting the schedule to this point right now? Well, UD and uh, like both with the opening of school and with uh, their sports works really close with public health and the chief medical director there and the commissioner of public health. And, and I do too. So, you know, really we let public health drive these decisions and they work hand in hand with them. And they've been really great about that. So that's, that's how UD has been doing it. I commend them for that. Um, and, you know, it's going to just, we're going to have to be really flexible like we have been these past nine months. Yeah, absolutely. I tell people that all the time. It's like you agree with it, disagree with it. There's still people behind the scenes that have their jobs on the line 
you know, that kind of is dependent on the outcome of all of these events. Um, so with that in mind, uh, hopefully we do get to see you at a game this year. Maybe we will, maybe we won't. I don't know. You know, it's up in the air right now. Yeah, we can always hope. We can hope that the vaccine moves quickly and we'll be, we'll be playing. And, you know, they'll definitely be playing UD ball, but we'll be seeing it in person as exciting. Sully, I want to, before we go, I want to share one last story about being mayor of Dayton and UD basketball. My first year I was elected in 2014. And do you remember 2014, the Elite Eight run? I remember. remember. You know, um, so the basketball team does great, the men's basketball, and they end up in the Elite Eight. And I had just been mayor for like a hot three months. I can't tell you the number of people that came up to me and congratulated me for the UD basketball wins. Like Like you scored buckets. Yeah. Like like I was on the, like I was on the, on the court. (laughs) I said to like a Dean at UD, I said, this is so crazy. Like there's so many people, they act like they would like call me up and say, congratulations, way to go. You're doing great. And uh, the Dean said like, man, you know, take the credit because you're going to get the blame too. And I would just thought that was (laughs) hilarious, but that's how much, that's how much this team means to the community. You know, my, uh, my job as mayor gets better as the UD basketball team does well. I was about to ask you that, and I'm glad you beat me to it because my last question to you was going to be, what was your favorite memory, um, you know, of the Flyers in your life? I guess you've answered that, unless you have a different answer to take me out on here today. No, for sure. You know, I didn't get to because I was first in my term. I didn't get to travel with them down. Uh, I think it was Memphis they went down to, and um, no. my brother and my cousin and my husband all went down, and um, to like I, I got so much joy uh, hearing from them on traveling with the Flyers for that that trip um that's that that run was has been my favorite run so far i'm looking forward to even more favorite runs moving forward this team is great and coach grant's just such a great leader i know it'll happen again but the, the that that by far is my favorite memory well, it's great to hear. Um, and obviously, I, I loved hearing your perspective and your stories, um, you know, being the mayor of Dayton and, um, and having, you know, stake in so many of these decisions that are affecting the team and the school at large. So, uh, Mayor, I appreciate so much that uh, you took the time this morning to jump on with me. I know that my listeners uh, will love it as well. And, uh, you know, hopefully we get to do this again down the road talking UD Hoops. Maybe we'll just make it like an annual thing. Yeah, let me, know, let me know, Sully. I'd love to. And go Flyers. And thanks for doing this podcast. It's a great addition to the UD community. So, really appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks again, Mayor. We'll talk soon. Great. Woo. This this is fun. I'm having fun. You guys having fun? All right. We're having fun. Let's keep doing it. We got another segment to go. Uh, first segment, obviously, was kind of to recap the game that was. Um, segment in the middle was me being a little bit opportunistic because the mayor got back to me last week and said, this week works. It's the first week of the season. Fine. Let's do it. You know, I put it on the calendar just to get this done, and here we are. Um, last segment tonight, uh, we're going to do a preview of the next game we have coming up. Damon Sales from Rivals was kind enough to join me. I wanted to jump in and remind you that every time we do an opponent uh, interview or you know, we preview the game coming up, that one's going to be brought to you by Lee's Chicken. Uh, the folks at Lee's Chicken have been kind enough to sponsor this program throughout the course of the season. They will be the sponsor of our pregame show coming up here on Saturday, um, and they're sponsoring this segment coming up right now. Great time to remind you, 
subscribe to our podcast, rate it. Just do something to tell me that you like it because then that helps me to gauge if I suck at this or not. I don't think I suck, but if you don't tell me that I'm good at it, then I'll just assume that I suck. So Least Chicken's bringing you this segment coming up right now. I'm not going to waste any more of your time since we're almost hitting the hour and we got 20 more minutes to go. Let's do it. Here's Damon Sales from Rivals talking about SMU. I am joined now by Damon. He is our uh, house SMU writer, uh, works for the Rivals Network. And I told Damon before we got on the call that these are these are the ones I love the most. These, these are the conversations that I really get up for in the non-con because the, uh, the conference slate can get a little bit monotonous. I'm talking to the same guys, and I love my A-10 bloggers. Don't get me wrong. UMass, St. Joe's, Duquesne, SLU, all those guys, I love them. But when we play somebody new in the non-con, it gives me an opportunity to say hey to him, learn about a new program, and, uh, and see what's going on on the other side of the fence. So without further ado, I want to welcome on Damon Sales. Thanks for coming on today, man. How you doing? I'm good, Sully. How you doing, man? Dude, it's been a good day here. Flyers are one to know. Um, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, so Damon's got a game to cover tonight. Uh, it's a, it's a mop up game against Houston Baptist. But I gotta say, man, being down in Dallas with SMU, um, it's real easy to get games because there's about a hundred programs within what three hours from Dallas, right? Four hours, maybe. Yeah, yeah, quite a bit of, of games, quite a bit of teams out there to, to pay attention to. But uh, there, there's something about this. Something about this SMU team that, that's going to keep my, keep everybody's attention, assuming that everything goes well. And, you know, you mentioned uh, with us recording on, on Wednesday, this is supposed to be a mop-up game. They've got Houston Baptist uh, tonight. But uh, I'm also I'm also a Georgetown fan. So uh, I'm, I watched Georgetown lose to Navy last night. So <laughs> there's yeah, no such thing as a mop-up game for me, man. I'm just – I'm going to sit and just watch – and report and keep it moving. But uh, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of talent out this way. A uh, lot, 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 of, lot of big big name uh, squads around the area, but uh, we're gonna keep our eyes out on this SMU program for this year. Yeah, before we get into that, um, you know, I want to introduce you to the people a little bit. Um, you know, give the listeners a little bit of your background, what you do now. You said it's your second season covering the team, right? Um, so what's your deal, man? Where you been, what you been doing and how'd you end up here? Yeah, second season with, with the program. I'm the managing editor for uh, the Hill Topics, uh, which is the SMU Rivals uh, uh, Network uh, website, smu.rivals.com. Uh, that's, there's my plug for for the plug. Got a plug. Um, I've, I've been been around. You know, I've been I've, I've been I've been fortunate to to, to see a, a, a lot of uh, journalism opportunities. I've worked uh, worked with ESPN. Uh, worked with Bleacher Report. Um, you know, uh, I was a cub reporter for the Dallas Morning News. So I've had a chance to really uh, just get my feet wet and just grind and hustle, do what I have to do. Uh, I'm, you know, this is my second my second stint with, with Rivals. I actually started with Rivals, uh, you know, a few years back uh, covering uh, Texas high school basketball recruiting uh, at texashoops.com. So that's a grind. Um, Stop. It's, it's an opportunity to get back. You know, uh, you know, I live in Dallas. Uh, I've been here since uh, 2000, been in Dallas since 2000 and love the opportunity, love the people here. And uh, yeah, you know, this, that, that's where I am. And, you know, the second season with the Mustangs, it was, it was, a, it was a decent one last year. I know that a lot of the basketball fans are wanting better 
and maybe this is the year that can that it can it can happen. So we'll see. Yeah, David, can you speak to that at all? I mean, I don't know much about the SMU basketball program, to be honest. Um, I think most fans of college sports know a lot about the SMU football program for a lot of obvious reasons that we don't have to go into. Um, but as far as basketball, I've always just kind of had SMU as an afterthought. And more importantly, I kind of just think of them as that program that once had Larry Brown as the coach and really nothing more. Like, it, it's not that I don't think they're relevant, but I don't know. I guess it, it doesn't feel like they are. So, like, can you speak a little bit to, like, where the program has come from and really where they are now to take the next step? Because I know SMU. I know that they got a lot of money, beautiful campus, right in the middle of Dallas. Should be a fairly easy place to recruit. I know academics are always a little bit of, of a challenge for a school like SMU. But, I mean, where is the program now as opposed to, like, where it was maybe five or ten years ago? Well, I, I, you have to go back to uh, 2017, where this program won uh, 30 games. Uh, they finished 30 and four, and um, it was one of those years where, you know, a lot of people were saying this team has the tools to make the Final Four, or this team has the tools to tank and lose in the first round. And yep. unfortunately, that they were a six seed in that tournament that year, lost to an 11 seed USC. Uh, USC team and it was it was an excellent game unfortunately the Mustangs were on the losing end of that so this program has really been trying to get back to to that status um, you know no longer uh, Larry Brown is no longer here you got Tim Jankovic as the head coach and they thought last year might have been a, a pretty good uh, opportunity just to get back to where they once were unfortunately they finished 19 and 11 they lose their last three games uh, they lose five of their last six. So it, it was, it was, you know, it was a meltdown. It was a definite meltdown. But at the same time, there was, this team was, was, was pretty young last year. A lot of sophomores on the team. So, you know, you've got guys who are still trying to figure out that uh, basketball is a game of 40 minutes. It's not 32. It's not 36. You, you better play all 40 or you're going to catch You're going to catch these hands every now and then. And that's yeah. what happened. But um, I think this year it, it's a junior laden program. Uh, everybody pretty much is back. So they're, they're, they're hoping to learn from what, what happened last year and just build it into something that can be really, really special. They're, they're picked third in the uh, American athletic conference behind Houston and Memphis. And, you know, as we saw Houston uh, I believe Houston beat Texas tech uh, last week uh, in a battle of top 20 teams. So, that's a good team. Memphis, you know, of course, led by Penny Hardaway, another good team. But, um, you know, SMU beat both Memphis and Houston last season. So uh, they swept Memphis last season. I mean, this team can play. It's yeah. just a matter of getting it and putting it all together. Uh, and I think with this year, that's what they're learning the most. You've got to put it all together. Otherwise, nothing that you do is, is going to matter. And, you know, 40 minutes, 40 minutes. You've got to play 40 minutes. And if you don't do that, it's going to be a problem. Yeah. And we obviously saw that in Dayton for, for a couple of years where uh, you know, Anthony Grant came in, he had a young roster. Uh, they kind of struggled down the stretch. They didn't put teams away, especially in 2018 um, that, or sorry, 2019 rather was, that was their, their thing was they were a young team and they just couldn't quite do it for 40 minutes. Didn't make the necessary adjustments or didn't get hungrier down the stretch, you know, to win those games. Um, 
but but backing up, I mean, where do you see the expectations for the program, like, you know, around the bubble of SMU? I mean, is is the expectation that, hey, you know, we're going to try to compete in the conference or is it we're going to be a tournament team every year? Because it again, it kind of feels like SMU is right there on the precipice of being a tournament team every year just because like they have all the resources and, and they have the, the facilities and the money and the location. And then you're up against programs that are, you know, kind of in the same pecking order. Like the, the AAC is a little bit more stacked than the A-10 on the top side, right? And you have programs like like Houston and Tulsa and Cincinnati that have taken significant steps up in basketball in the last few years. And it stands to reason that SMU is probably looking at that and saying, well, that's what we need to do too. And we got to do it right now, right? Yeah, I, I think you hit it. You hit it on the head. You know, uh, this is a this is an SMU team that that understands fully what they have. I think that's not the problem. I think the issue is just uh, being able to 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 sell this dream to uh, not only recruits but also you know potential graduate transfers, yep. uh, the parents of recruits, and uh, you know it, it, it's it started this year with. Uh, obtaining a, a solid grad transfer, or not a not a grad transfer, but uh, obtaining a solid transfer in your NA, uh, 6'10", uh, big out of uh, Oklahoma State, and you know this is your 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 rebounder, rim protector, shot blocker type guy. So you get a guy like like him, and and he's currently uh, as of Wednesday, he's currently uh, awaiting an NC two A waiver approval. So if he gets that. He's going to be an outstanding catalyst for this ball club, but you know, right now you're you're. This is a, a program that, uh, you know, when we talk about athletics, uh, you know, SMU obviously uh, they 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 have the, the they have the opportunity to go out and, and and grab some of the best in the Dallas area. So that's that's first thing. Um, academically, it, it, it's a it's a premier program. I mean, you you've got you've got a lot of a lot of people who really talk highly, really speak highly of, of SMU from an academic standpoint. And the the, the Fortune 500 uh, members around the, the, the program, that is not discussed enough when we're talking about SMU. So yeah. I think once the once the, 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 the neighborhood, I guess the Dallas County neighborhoods are really in tune with what all the program has to offer. And I don't, I personally don't think in the last five, 10 years, uh, those neighborhoods knew as well as they know now, you know, it's, sure. and, and, and you have to credit, you know, I know this, we're, we're talking hoops here, we're talking basketball, but you have to credit what they're doing on the football side of things. Um, you know, one of the biggest hashtags is pony up Dallas. I mean, yeah. it used to be pony up. Now it is strictly pony up Dallas. They are trying to make sure that Dallas is uh, SMU is seen as Dallas's university, Dallas's school. The hometown school is what they what they call it, and they want their kids to be known as neighborhood heroes. I'm, I'm with that. I'm all I'm all down definitely down for that. You got to have your brand, right? I mean, you got to have your brand. You got to have it, and it and it makes perfect sense because you want to keep all of your athletes close to mom and dad, and that's not just in football, but that's in basketball as well. Uh, SMU. Uh, uh, signed a, a kid from from Duncanville, Texas, which is about 15 minutes away from the campus, Zurich Phelps, and he's one of the uh, one of the studs. He's a big time guard. So uh, uh, I think that's it, it's finally starting to come in play for this team, uh, this program in general. But um, you know, there's still some steps that need to happen, and uh, at the same time, I think there's 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 definitely some positives that that, that are going on. 
Yeah, it's it's almost you know I, I hate to do it on the program because I know that we're we're talking about basketball, but it is almost impossible to not talk about SMU football. It, it's just it's such a polarizing brand over the last few years or last whatever forty years. Um, but you, you're right. I think the the Fortune 500 and the money that's behind SMU. Uh, I think the people in the area are very well aware. But if you don't have any familiarity with the um, uh, the you know, the 1990 death penalty of SMU football and, and kids that are probably younger than me, like younger than 30, really probably don't have that much insight to that whole situation. But what you were talking about really resonated was that there are so many fortune 500 boosters of SMU. They care so much about the sport in the early seventies, they were tired of getting their butts kicked in football. And so they said, we're just going to start paying players. And, and to your point, because they were such a great academic school, I think that started to raise eyebrows at the NCAA. They're like, you know, how, how do they get all these guys? Number one, how do they get them so fast? Well, there was a lot of money behind that, right? And so I say all that because I'm like, and I think it just goes back to how we started this conversation was – SMU has the money to put behind these things. Now, you know, you don't want to be like the eighties want to do it legally, of course. And you don't want the governor and all of that. Um, I'll, I'll do a shameless plug right now. Since we're talking about it, go watch pony excess. It's an ESPN 30 for 30. It's my favorite 30 for 30 listeners. So if, if you're out there right now, listen to this and you're like, you have no idea what I'm talking about. Go watch that. It's, it's amazing. Especially for college football fans. All right. I'll, I'll get back to what we're talking about here. So um, let's let's change the light on to uh, the, the team, uh, the team at hand, the team that's coming into the arena. Um, as of this recording, got Houston Baptist tonight. Uh, we cleaned them pretty good last year. I think UD almost scored 100 points on them or something like that. It was uh, the game right after we came back from Maui. So we won't, won't have to worry about that game too much. But um, I think for the listeners to understand the team that's coming into the arena, they probably have to understand a little bit about last year. So you mentioned that uh, they went nine and nine in the conference. I think they finished uh, fifth or sixth, um, somewhere irrelevant in the, in the American pecking order. Um, what went wrong last year? Because I'm looking down their roster and it's juniors and sophomores. So that leads me to believe everybody's back. So what exactly happened down the stretch that they lost five or six and, and fell out? Uh I mean, long story short, you, you, if you don't know how to finish victories, then you're most likely going to catch an L. And that's what happened with, uh, with the, the latter end of the, of the regular season last year. This, is a, a, this was a team, again, this was a team that swept Memphis and beat Houston. You know, they split with Houston. So it's not like the team wasn't a good one. You know what yeah. I mean? But, but it wasn't like personnel you know, issues. You're just kind of like down the stretch – they just didn't have that killer instinct, right? There, there was zero killer instinct. A prime example of that, they, they had uh, Wichita State up at home and second half uh, just kind of, it was, you know, we saw a meltdown and Wichita State gets the victory. So, I mean, this team last season, uh, they learned a lot. You know, this, this year's team learned a lot from last year in regards to just understanding that when you have uh, your, your foot on the neck of a, of a team, you got to keep it there until that final buzzer. And I think we're, we're, we're starting to see that. We're only two games in now, but we're really starting to see that with how they're handling the, the teams that they're supposed to be. They opened the season against Sam Houston State. That was supposed to be a, a, an easy victory. Uh, it ended up being a 30-point win, which is what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they played uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi on Monday. Uh, again, it was supposed to be another easy victory. They won by 37. So 
yes, you're supposed to beat these teams. But in, in, with, it, with these games, it's not about uh, uh, who you're playing. It, it's, it's how you're playing against them. And yep. you can tell there's a different attitude with these guys. I'll be curious, curious to see how they, they finish uh, against Houston Baptist. Um, you know, confidence is everything because, uh, the, you know, the, the next game up for them uh, is, is, is <laughs> we know it's going to be a big one. I mean, you're, you're going to play a team that, you know, I mean, granted, we don't have a OB Toppin anymore, but this is still a Dayton <laughs> team that had 29 wins, you know, yeah. and, you know, so um, you're going on the road. This is their first, this will be SMU's first road game, road test of the year. So you better come with it. You better play to win and, uh, uh, to go in three and zero, it's always going to be a, a more to have much more confidence than to go in two and one and lose to a team that you know you're supposed to dominate. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I did see as I was looking through the box scores here. First game against Sam Houston State, um, leading scorer had thirty three, um, and and then that was Kendrick Davis. And then the next game, they, they spread the wealth uh, a lot. You had 12, 17, 19, 11, 11, like. Uh, where where do you see this team landing? I mean, are they going to rely on a couple of guys, or are they a team that is best suited to spread the wealth this season? No, this is definitely a spread the wealth team. Uh, you know, uh, one of the guards, Emmanuel Bandamel, uh, I spoke with him after the the A and M Corpus Christi game, and he pretty much told me, man, this this team has weapons. Yeah. And, and you know, the best part about this team compared to last year, you can look at some of the guys off the bench as guys who can get you double figures. Charles Smith, the fourth was a guy who barely got minutes last year as a freshman. Now he's a true sophomore and he's averaging 11 points a game and he's shooting 64% from the field, 60% from the three point line. He's been killing it. You know, William Douglas didn't get a chance to play uh, because of injury and illness. He missed a lot of time last year. He's coming in and he's providing quality minutes. He had three charges against, uh, A&M Corpus Christi. These are guys. <laughs> these are guys who don't even get. They're, they're not even starters. So yeah. you know, we're not even talking about the Kendrick Davises of the world. The smallest guy on the court, you know, comes in and <laughs> at five ten, five eleven, and and he, he drops a thirty three spot in his his season opener. So I mean, you know, we're, we look at him. We look at Bandamel, Ferron Hunt. Uh, you know, everybody t- uh, was. It was funny because everybody was, was comparing Ferron Hunt's. Uh, between the legs dunk he had a he had an in-game between the legs dunk against Corpus Christi and immediately the Dayton fans came out oh it's the it's the over top and and I'm like no it's the J.R. Ryder it's the (laughs) the funk dunk back in 94 but uh, I think it's cool that uh, you know everybody's saying that and it it, it actually kind of build gives a little build-up for uh for for the SMU Dayton game because you know the, the SMU fans is like you know wait a minute we're not copying that from 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 Toppin at all and you know so what are you trying to say well we'll, we'll see you this weekend so <laughs> it, becomes, it becomes a lot of fun but um this team man it's it, it's it's cool to see uh it's cool to see them doing what they're doing now again we're only two games in but um at the same time we want to we want I want to see more of what what's there uh, what we can actually expect from them. And uh, that Dayton game is going to tell me a lot just about how far they've come from last year. 
You know, it's it's funny that you say that. Um, I, and this is exactly why I love getting guys like yourself who cover programs we don't know much about. I mean, that's exactly how Dayton feels about the game, too. Is it OK? You know, we got our little warm up in. We had to get a warm up in before SMU comes to town. But and, and you know, we struggled last night against Eastern Illinois. They just they kind of got lethargic on offense. They weren't creative when they got challenged, when shots weren't falling. They, they didn't work as hard to get different shots. Right. Um but putting that aside, I mean, that's game on the schedule is just get a win and get to Saturday because everybody knew last night after that win, it, you know, we sweated it out three point win. That's fine. You know, now that game doesn't matter anymore. The, the game is SMU. And I, I'm looking at the Ken Palm rankings right now. Um, as of this afternoon, SMU is 54th and Dayton 60. And the, S, um, the Ken Palm projection has them uh, losing to Dayton by a one-point margin. And, of course, it says on the road. However, I don't believe Ken Palm has actually figured in how little of a home court advantage there is. He's still using the same algorithm to say home away, what have you. Um, so it just tells you this is a toss-up game. And I'm glad that you brought up the point about the rivalry or, you know, just kind of building a little bit of um, little bit of tension, you know, a little bit of hatred or, you know, just something to get the guys a little jacked up, right? Um, because I, I love trying to find programs right now in the non-con that Dayton matches up well against um, from every other aspect that's not on the court, right? And what I mean by that is SMU is a private school, almost exactly the same size as UD. They're in a metro area, given it's much larger than Dayton, of course. Um, and, you know, SMU is kind of not the biggest program in their conference. And we kind of had this conversation with Tulsa last year. It's like, these are the programs that should be matched up every single year in the non-con. And I'm glad that SMU really had a commitment to UD because even throughout the pandemic, what I heard from Dayton was SMU wants to play this game. They want to, they want to do this and they want to do it for two years and they're hundred percent in sure enough, here we are. We're looking ahead to Saturday. The game's still on the schedule. Um, but I, I just wanted to get your perspective because we talk about the non-con constantly, but this kind of looks like a matchup that should happen year in, year out, right? Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just from, from SMU's standpoint, this is a program, the, the, the sole purpose is to play the best teams, as many great teams as they possibly can, uh, in particularly with, with a year like this, uh, with, with, with covid kind of killing the schedule uh, for a lot of programs. You know, SMU's lost a game against Georgia. That was a game, uh, it was supposed to be a home and home. Uh, they played in Athens last year and they're not gonna play this game. Uh, to my knowledge, they're not gonna play this game this year. So this game against Dayton was one that was huge, really, really huge on, on SMU's schedule, just because, you know, if they, if they, if they get the win, obviously it's gonna look great. For their for their their post tournament for their, their tournament resume, if yeah. they play close, it's gonna look good for their tournament resume. 100%. But at the same time, this is also a game that they just want to play the premier teams. They want to play yeah. the elite the elite uh, basketball teams, and I, I respect that. And, and I, I know that that uh, you know Dayton. Uh, you mentioned Dayton struggling with with the fight in Tony Romo's uh, the other day, and, and that's that's okay. Uh, Eastern right. Illinois guys, so. Yeah, but uh, that's why you schedule them, bro. You know. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know, we have to remember that a lot of these teams. Uh, I think most of the teams, if not all of them, didn't get any type of scrimmaging in. So mm -hmm. these, you know, uh, the first, the first two or three games, we have to consider them as scrimmages of sorts. So 
yeah, this is what Dayton's going to do. You lost some some key guys. You got to get it, you know, get that chemistry going again. It's great to play Eastern Illinois. Now you get a chance to really put it together against an SMU team that's also looking to put everything together. And it's going to be a really, really, I think it's going to be a fun game. I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of, uh, a lot of electricity. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing two teams, you know, uh, kind of play the alpha dog role. Uh, it's, it, it's fun. These are the, these are the games that should happen uh, in, in early December, uh, even late November if possible. But uh I'm ready for it, and I think yeah. they are too. I know Dayton's ready for it. I know you're ready for it. So uh, let's, let's get the Saturday thing that going, I, man. I am. I, I was. I was getting chills. You were just talking about that. Like I think it's going to be a good game. Let's get to it. Um, and, and no, I I did kind of think while you were saying that that uh, I, I am just a little bit bummed that um, you know we we don't have our fans. I mean, it's such an obvious thing to say, but where I'm going with this is in Dayton, we get so few of these opportunities. We get so few non-conference games against good teams that can really look good at the end of the year. And, um, you know, when we do get these opportunities, the arena is just, just that next level up, you know, people are just a little bit crazier, a little bit louder. Um, and I'm definitely gonna be missing that on Saturday, but I will be around and, you know, we'll have the pregame show. Um, so, you know, we're going to have you on the pregame show. So we're going to be talking again before the game starts. We'll condense it down a little bit. Cause you know, I tend to be long winded. So it's going to be more your time uh, to tell listeners about the team, but um, I won't let you out of here without a prediction, man. I know we're going to be talking again on Saturday. I'm going to make you do this again. So I'm doing this now because you have to put it on the record. And then on Saturday, I get to see, well, you do some mind changing. If Houston Baptist maybe, you know, sneaks up on him a little bit. It's only a five point game. You might change your tune. So what's the prediction for Saturday where you got it landed? Man. So I, I look at this SMU team after two games, and they're they're averaging right around ninety four points a game. Like quick shots, yeah. I, I I have to go with SMU, uh, and again, this is this is uh, before the Houston Baptist game. Uh, so from the two games that I that I've watched them, I'm gonna go with SMU in a close one. And the reason you 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 actually stated the reason. That not having a crowd basically eliminates any type of quote unquote home home field advantage, home court advantage. I mean, we, we if you think about it, we saw it Tuesday night uh, when we watched Duke and Michigan State. Yep. No crowd at, at Duke. Michigan State comes in, and you know the Cameron Cameron Crazies are no longer there, so there's no true home court advantage for Duke and Michigan State took advantage. So I think it's just going to be a battle of you know, what can your basketball team do against my basketball team? Um, like I said, I really like what SMU is doing, uh, what they've done in the last two games. Now, that being said, I could come back and change that if they don't play well against Houston Baptist. But yeah. uh, this team, there's a hunger about them. And you can look at them and tell, you know, they're not playing around. I, mean, I talked to Ferran Hunt about that. He, he'll tell you, you know, this, this isn't a game anymore. Last year sucked, and we're not we're not going through anything like that again. This is not a game, and you can tell everybody's excited. Uh, guys like Charles Smith the fourth and, and William Douglas are coming off the bench, and they're providing double digits uh, in scoring. It's 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 a it's a reality for for these guys. So I'm gonna say that SMU gets the win. I'm gonna say it's close. I think you know give me a five point win for the Mustangs, but uh, you know, like I said, this is all before. Wednesday night's game. Uh, so if they don't play well against 
Houston Baptist, then you and I will definitely talk. I'll bring it up and, uh, you know, I'll retract my steps. But for now, for now, give me SMU by five. I like it, man. I like it. Well, uh, we'd love to have you on the program for listeners out there at Damon Sales, S-A-Y-L-E-S, at Damon Sales on Twitter. You can follow him for the SMU coverage leading up to the game this week. Um, and you can catch us, like I said, on the pregame show this Saturday, uh, somewhere around the 11 o'clock hour before the game starts. So, Damon, uh, it was a pleasure catching up, man. Hopefully we get to do this next year and then maybe you know we get a home and home series down the road. Right. So we'll do it for a couple more years. Absolutely, my man. Anytime you're ready, I'm, I'm down. Let's do it. All right, man. Take care. She called me late last night to say she loved me so. Didn't matter anymore. I say she never cared and that she never will.
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.